1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's September
2: 17th, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. Do I sound sick in the head?
0: You do, but that's that's nothing normal.
2: No, nothing, no, nothing out of the normal. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'd be worried <laughs> if you didn't. So, thank you. Uh,
0: but you did have a wonderful trip for uh, the listeners that are Facebook friends with you and all that kind of stuff. I, I do have to ask a question, though. Okay, and I'm probably going to embarrass myself completely by asking this, but and that's uh,
2: nothing new either.
0: Exactly right. right. So, uh, so Jeannie won an award or something like that, right? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. All right. Um. And it sounded like it was Kuzumano.
2: Yeah, that's correct.
0: All right, so is that something that she came up with, or is that... What, what is Kuzumano?
2: Kuzuma? Okay, so uh, in uh, the bonsai community, bonsai literally means tree in a tray or tree in a pot. It's a literal translation. That's the Japanese word for it. The Chinese word for it is penjing. And so when you have a bonsai tree, generally you, or when you show it to people at, at a house or at a show or something you have an accompanying plant or figurine or something that complements the tree. And there's a lot of rules to it. And so when you do that, when you use that element with flowers and plants and you complement the tree with it, it's called a shitakusa. Oh. But when that plant is so beautiful and so complete and you use it just by itself, it stands alone on itself. It doesn't need to complement anything else. It's called a kusambono ah
0: kusamono okay
2: and so kusamono is uh is starting to get its own not following but its own you know props and so this woman her name is young choi and she studied in japan and she is she is in charge of the us seed bank which is a major major responsibility i have an account there yeah <laughs> so she uh she asked if there was someone in Florida that could represent Florida, because in this one rare instance, the person who runs this U.S. Bonsai National Exhibition gave this woman five full banquet tables to try to display kusamono to give more awareness to it. And so she decided to break up the country and regions, and she asked if there was our friends, if there was someone down in the South that could represent Florida or the Southeast and put together some pieces. So they obviously picked Jeannie, because that's why we're talking about this. Uh, Jeannie put together 10 pieces. They displayed five at the Kusamono, and then they displayed the other five throughout the building. And then at the end of it, um, the woman who ran it liked the Je- one of Jeannie's pieces so much that she also is in charge of like Kusamono at the U.S. Arboretum in Washington, D.C. And they asked her if it was okay if they kept one of the pieces and took it. And so, of course, my wife was like, of course. So they took it. And now it's on display in Washington D.C. next to a beloved tree there that is from a bonsai artist here in Florida who had just recently died within the last month and a half. So it's a big, big honor, a big, big deal. So it's not an award; it's just a okay. massive honor. And uh, she was like the she was like the the the, the bee's knees at this thing. Is that's bee's the knees. yeah? I'm dating myself, well, congratulations but
0: congratulations, very whatever uh, whatever level of honor it was. Obviously, yeah. It's obviously it's phenomenal. But the reason I asked is uh, there was a Sopranos character called Jeannie Cusimano. Oh, really? So, yeah. And in fact, there's an entire episode called Dreaming of Jeannie Cusimano. Oh, wow. Uh, so I didn't know whether she was a, whether she created that thing and she was a huge Sopranos fan and
2: thought it was kind of clever to be that's, named. That's pretty of, funny. Yeah, no. It's
0: not true. So, I, no, so. No.
2: I only watched the first two seasons of Sopranos. I can only take two seasons of it. But uh, I'm interested in that movie. That's coming out. That looks pretty wild.
0: Yeah, the funny thing is most Sopranos fans think it's going to be crap. So,
2: uh, It looks pretty good. So we'll let you watch it first and let us know. All right.
0: <laughs> all right, so remember when this used to be a poker podcast. So. Yes. <laughs> but the first item really isn't about poker either. But uh, All right, so obviously it was uh, the first week of NFL season for every team except for the Packers. <laughs> and um, so uh, what I thought was really interesting, um, obviously, is that the, the Packers game and game is in – Huge air close right here. Um, but, you know, I did, like, watch Monday night and watched uh, uh, college football and some of the recap shows. And um, we really now have seen how widespread sports betting is, haven't we? Oh, yeah. It's now available in half of the U.S. states, which is phenomenal to even think about that. Uh, just crazy because, you know, you just have to go to Nevada uh, if you wanted to, right? Right. Uh, overseas. Um So now we've really seen it and how in our face it's going to be because before, I mean, if you wanted to see, like, betting lines on an NFL show, you had to watch one of those pay-for-play shows that was on, like, at 3 a.m., right? Right. With that Matthew McConaughey guy that picks the games, right? Uh, And now it's on all day long. And it looks really, it, to me, actually kind of a little jarring. I mean, I've, I'm obviously certainly not against sports betting and all that's fantastic. Um, but it, it really has taken over uh, the televised sporting world now, right? Yeah. And so as I watched that, I was like, is this really going to help the future of online poker, which is what <laughs> we've been saying for the longest time, right, is that you know any expansion of gambling is going to help – eventually get us online poker. So if it's sports betting first, that's fine. And then hopefully they'll hold the door open so poker can squeak through, right? But I'm just wondering now, um, since it's that in your face, and I say in your face to everybody that's like on watching TV, that people are going to go, whoa, it's really easy to gamble now, right? And is is that going to be a bad thing? Is is it going to be like, hey, okay, well... You saw what happened when we allowed sports betting, and now it's all over TV. We can't allow poker now, because it's going to be all over TV, too, even though poker's been on TV way
2: more than sports betting. Am I barking up the wrong tree here? No, I don't think so, because I seem to remember you know, fantasy football being all over the TV when they did that, too. When that first launched, it was just everywhere in your face. And that was still betting, and it was made clear that it was betting. It wasn't like, oh, we're having fun with fantasy and getting around with guys in the basement and drinking beer and joking around. No, it was clear that these guys were betting on games and showing them winning millions of dollars and big checks and all that, and that was ubiquitous. I mean, every time you turn on television, it was FanDuel and all those other things. And so I don't think this is going to have any different effect. I think... Until we get enough people pulling for us, doing it, and get enough money in Washington to say, hey, you know, here's enough lobbying to throw enough money at the right people to get it passed, I don't think it's ever going to change our fate either way. I think it's going to be the exact same reaction as it was when it was FanDuel and all that crap. So, I don't know. I I mean, it was was a lot on TV. I wasn't even watching football and I was seeing ads. So, um, yeah, I I think it's going to be the exact same thing that happened to us, which is nothing.
0: I mean, I guess the other argument is that it makes uh, gambling more mainstream, right? Or more just part of our everyday lives. And therefore, if someone says, hey, now we want to allow online poker, okay, why not? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I can't watch TV without seeing the... The spread on the uh, the Packers game, in air quotes again. Um, so why does it matter whether we have poker? So I guess that's the other argument as well, too. But it was just interesting. I mean, I wasn't really prepared for, for how it looked, uh, even though I've been reading articles all week leading up saying, hey, this is what you're going to see this weekend. When I actually saw it, it was just like super jarring. <laughs> so uh, Of course, we have to wait till October here in Florida before we can lose our kids' inheritance on a – uh, the over in the Packers
2: game. On the uh, kickoff. So let me ask you this. Um, I think we need like an update on exactly who is still lobbying for our side and where and when and what's actually in the making. Because, I, I mean, we haven't heard anything about online poker or any kind of bills moving through or anything in ages, and never mind a national you know regulation or something. Yeah, so.
0: I think you mentioned that because now it's just reminding me that there was an article that I saw over the – past couple of weeks since we took last week off, uh, um, about somebody, a really wealthy guy who wanted to put his money into poker lobbying. And I realize it's not on our show notes now, so I'm, and my, I must have missed it in my, my casting of net. So I, I, let me look for that for, for next week's show okay. and get uh, an update. But yeah, there. but you're right, There there is, as far as I know, no organized lobbying effort right now. Um, so uh, whoever this is and how much money he has uh, is, is better than nothing, right? Remember so, the
2: PPA? That was... Uh yeah, that was yeah. on the show like every other week. When that for a while, and now it's like you can't remember, barely remember the initials when I said it. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I was going to call it poker or something else. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, all right. So a little teaser to next week. Now, of course, I have to come through with that. But, but yeah,
2: you better then better take your ginkgo biloba. Don't forget that too.
0: <laughs> all right, the World Series Poker has announced that based on updated guidance from Nevada's governor, that participants this year may remove their mask while seated at the poker table. I must wear them at all other times. Um, All right. So I I like to think uh, that I'm an intelligent person and that you and and the listeners probably would give me credit for being an intelligent person. Right. Um, I I also uh, have no trouble uh, admitting that uh, there's more that I don't know than I do know. And I would imagine you and the listeners would agree that. Right. So help me understand why you can remove your mask at the table, but you have to wear it everywhere else. Okay, so... Wouldn't it be the exact opposite?
2: Speaking of, as someone who wore his mask everywhere he went and everywhere I went across this whole country, I literally drove from Florida to New York, stopped in uh, in uh, North Carolina, stopped in West Virginia, did all these things, and never took my mask off, washed my hands with all the appropriate soaps and all the appropriate antiseptic, whatever, and I still caught something. So... To me, this is ridiculous. I I don't, I I would never want to take my mask off. Now, I know that people are saying, most people are saying that the mask is to protect the people who aren't wearing the masks because you could, it comes out of you a lot easier than, or whatever. But I still think it stops stuff from going through the mask into me, too. Um, But to me, I think their thinking is once you sit at that table, you're seated with people who are supposed to be vaccinated, so you're okay. Whereas when you're going around, you might get infected, or you might infect people who aren't. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to figure it okay, out here. Let's,
0: let's recap. If somebody missed, I don't know how anybody could have missed this, but uh, from two weeks ago, when we mentioned uh, in order to play this year, you have to be vaccinated. You can't. You can't even like, be tested negative if you're not vaccinated. You have to be vaccinated right. now again uh staff is not included in this, which is another whole weirdness um particularly because when you read um uh nevada governor's um, um the rule number fifty or whatever it's called um, which is all the rules on how conventions can happen based on the number of People and the vaccination status and all that, right? It never mentions employees in there. It only mentions participants. <laughs> so, right. so I mean, we we've been talking for for weeks now that the reason the World Series didn't include staff was because they've had a they're not going to be able to staff it as it is, let alone if they require the staff to be uh, vaccinated, right? But but it does go even farther on that. I don't know if it's a staffing problem for all conventions yeah. <laughs> in Nevada based on the guidance. Uh, so anyhow, so that's interesting, but. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so, really, the only people that should be infecting you at the World Series should be staff, and that includes the dealer who's sitting at the table. Yes. So, it doesn't matter to me. I I guess that's what I'm trying to understand. I don't understand why you would think that you are at risk of getting COVID, walking around, going to the restroom, uh, anything else, but... When you're at the table, you are apparently in some kind of, like, bubble (laughs) that protects you from the guy in the middle of the table who may not be vaccinated.
2: Well, the question remains then is are they going with the, I don't know if it's antiquated or not, but the original uh, suggested guidelines was saying, you know, you can't gather in rooms with less than 10 people or something, with more than 10 people or whatever. So at a table, it's like 10 people, right?
0: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is, like, the, the place that you're going to be
2: closest to people. Right, right
0: most likely to sneeze all over him, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's at the table. I know. I mean, I mean, it, 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 that's what I'm trying to understand. I'm like, I, I can understand if they said, hey, uh, hey, yeah, if you need a break from your mask, just get up from the table and, and you can take it off. And when you're at the table and you're in close proximity to people, you need to leave it off. Um, um, now, of course, and we have listeners who don't you know, believe any of this, and that's fine, too, but uh, who think this whole thing is silly um, and that's a whole different argument. But, I mean... But those people were right when they like pick apart this stuff. I mean, this has been my problem with COVID from the beginning: is that that the rules don't make sense, or they're inconsistent. Not don't make sense; they're inconsistent. Yeah. This seems like a complete inconsistency. I mean, what science out there says that uh, you are safe from COVID sitting at a poker table, but you're at risk of it from to walking to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yep. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, so. But hey, you know we're still a couple of weeks away here, so who knows? Maybe something else will come up. Maybe maybe you have to wear a uni, uh, unicorn horn. I, you know, who knows what's going to come up with now in the next couple of weeks?
2: But yeah,
0: it makes no sense. I, I saw this, and I was just, I, I'm still like my my jaw is on the ground, just trying to understand this. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. All right, Paul Gordon and Doyle Brunson has tweeted that filming has begun on a documentary about his vastly interesting life. And the only other detail he shared is that it is coming from the same folks who brought us the fascinating Michael Jordan series, The Last Dance, which I still haven't seen yet. But Are I you heard. serious? You didn't see that? I know. I need to get that on my list. I need to, you know, when I'm traveling. I, well, here's the thing is uh, usually when I'm watching series is when I'm traveling, which yeah. I haven't thought of, right? Right. And then this last trip, I, uh, I I'm way behind on Shit's Creek too. Everybody, I'm like, you oh know, my god, I love that show. People are going to quit listening
2: to the show because I'm so out of it. <laughs>
0: so I need to get through Shit's Creek first, and then I'll do the Last Dance because you know it's the Last Dance. So I I can't. It's not the first dance.
2: Not to go off on a tangent, but did you know that for all of the uh, the television commercials for the show, when they sit, they say Shit's Creek, the logo has to be on the screen. Oh, no, really? Yeah, it has to be on the screen so they can understand that it's spelled S C H I T T. Because so. if you just turn on a commercial and say, hey, shit's creek, they're like, uh, what? My kids are hearing this. You know, of course, we're doing it now without the logo. So, yeah, well, yeah. You know. But we're adults. And we'll find out later. Scott's going to be adult again later in the show. I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, the, the last dance was phenomenal. So I'm glad that people with that talent, level of talent for storytelling and quality, uh, are in charge of something like as important as Doyle Brunson's documentary. So that's fantastic. I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you talk about, I mean, aside from maybe Stu Unger, which is more tragically right. interesting, right. Uh, I don't know of a more interesting poker player out there um, that just gonna, I mean, just, I mean, there's enough that you could do ten episodes just on poker, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's still not even scratched the fact that he was a basketball star and track star and and all this other stuff, right? Um so uh it's gonna be really, really interesting, I think. And uh definitely gonna look forward to to seeing that when it comes out. So
2: ten episodes. We should maybe we should have the American horror story people uh
0: <laughs> That's a, yeah those do a, do
2: a version. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then finally, a comedian, Saturday Night Live, legend, and former high-stakes poker host Norm MacDonald has died at age 61 after a private nine-year battle with cancer. And I will admit this one, uh, this was one of those that uh, made me sad. Yeah. Uh, I've been a big Norm fan. No, um, I had this one situation, and for whatever reason, I believe I've said this on the show, and I have no idea why. Maybe it was back when he was hosting High State Poker, and we're talking about him. But the one time I saw him do stand-up was here in Tampa, and it was a three-and-a-half-hour show. Wow. We were held c- comedy hostage. Because you know you can't like walk out on a comedy show because right. they pack 97 people around the table for two, right? <laughs> so yeah. So you're tripping all over everybody. I I thought he was probably drunk or high during that show, but Laura's not so convinced. But uh, but he was repeating jokes, and it it was it was not his best performance. But I got to see him. But uh, but the rest of the time when I'm watching on TV,
2: I just thought he was hilarious. So, Um, I I was driving home when I heard the news. Uh, Jeannie was on her Facebook feed while I was driving, and uh, she said, and I was like, wait, say that again. I I mean, and it's so it's always so um, like I went through the same sort of emotion when I found out Neil Parrott had died from Rush because yep. I didn't know he was battling cancer.
0: Right. You yep. know, and
2: I'm not one of those super fans that dives into every, you know, whatever to try to find any nook and cranny about the band. I just loved him. Um, so the same thing with Norm McDonald. I had no idea. And it was nine years. So he was in his 50s when he got it. And that's just, that's shocking. You know, we had seen him yeah. over the and last he, nine he, years. You didn't even know. He's been playing the World Series. Yeah. All of too. So. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. He was so funny in his own way too. There was no one like him, you know, his comedy. No one like his comedy. He was just, he was pretty awesome. And uh, that's just a shame. It really is. I was shocked when I was driving. I was like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me? I couldn't believe it."
0: Yeah, I think it was David Letterman that said there are lots of people as funny as Norm Macdonald, but no one funnier. Right.
2: That's that's a great way to, say it, where to put it.
0: Yeah. All right, here's this week's uh, updates on Poker Room reopenings. New York uh, Tioga Downs Casino Resort has reopened its Poker Room. That gets us to 269 reopened Poker Rooms in the United States. And uh, be sure to go to dot slash reopen to see them all. All right, cool.
2: Any updates pates the Antiet Fans Free Online Tournament Series on PokerStars Play Money sites available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games run the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. Poker Swords lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Up fans' group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to Four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Up logo designs on merchandise at antiochmagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, <laughs> phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Up magazine. Anti-Up Pokercast or Anti-Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine or post in the Anti-Up Fans group on Facebook. We get to complete O'Malley's move today. Love doing that. So here comes part one, and uh, we'll see you on the other side.
1: Welcome to another O'Malley's Move, I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a 50 cent, one dollar, no limit hold'em home game. The level of this game is pretty solid, with most opponents knowing what to do. The game is six handed, and the night is winding down. It's hour five of a six hour game. The blinds post, the under the gun folds, and the MP makes a raise to three dollars. This opponent is a mostly balanced player. He plays logical ranges for the game that he is playing in. He bought in for 100, got it up to 200, but is currently on a down swing and sits with $91. He's typically pretty even tempered, but he lost his profit on two particularly rough hands, a cooler and a suckout. The cutoff calls and we're on the button with $100 on our second buy-in. We're down 100. We look down at the king of diamonds, Jack of spades. I think this is either a raise or fold situation, but I'm a little gun shy after losing in a boat over boat situation earlier in the night. We call. The small blind folds, the big blind calls, and we go to a flop. The pot is 1350 and it comes down the king of hearts, jack of clubs, seven of spades. The big blind checks and the MP bets eight dollars. The cutoff folds. This flop couldn't be any more beautiful than it is. If our opponent had something like aces, queens, ace-king, king-queen, or ace-queen, we are in really good shape. I think I want him to hang himself. We call. The big blind folds, and with 29.50 in the pot, we see the nine of spades come on the turn. The MP checks. Other than queen-10, which could be in his range, I don't think this card should scare us too much. I'm going to make a fairly large bet to make it look like I'm trying to steal this pot. We bet $20. Our opponent thinks for about 30 seconds before saying those dreaded words. Raise. I'm all in. So, it's $80 more to win a $130 pot. If we call and lose, we're down 191 on the night. What's the move?
0: Well, I want to believe we are ahead here, but the check race is a big red flag. Uh, the check uh, bet is expected. I don't know that man. <laughs>
2: you <laughs> rubbed that out too early.
0: <laughs> but when he uh, slows down uh, on the turn, so we bet and then shoves, why? Uh, it's a fairly reckless bluff strategy, in my opinion. So if he has something, what does he have that makes sense? The queen 10 is, poss- is possible. Six handed, so are sets. All of them. I know most of us will make a hero call here, but I think I need to be convinced more.
2: <laughs> I'm rarely folding top two unless the board is really wet and a story that beats me makes sense. This is a kind of a wet board, but um, if he had a straight, why would he force this out? If he had a set, maybe that's why he'd want to force this out, but we weren't really playing it like a draw. So this could be a draw, actually. So I'm, I'm going to call. I'm going to see what happens here. So here comes part two.
1: Hello again. I didn't feel great about this situation, and I tanked for almost a full two minutes. I just think top two is too strong to fold here. After all, what am I playing king-jack preflop for? I can't ask for much more than top two. We call. Once or twice, we ask. I always go once, he says, and tables the king of spades, ten of spades. All right, no queen, no spade. We see a glorious deuce of diamonds on the river, and we scoop the pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, if you're going to play trap hands, you better have nerves of steel. I hope to see you on the felt.
0: Well, I did say a bluff isn't a very strong strategy here, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> proved out because O'Malley has uh, bigger balls than I do. There you go. There it is right there. Scott's, Scott's a big, wearing his big boy pants today talking about big balls. Got to love that on the show. You know, this is the guy who made us say Deutsche Bank for 15 years, and now he can say big balls on the show. I love it.
0: Hey, hey, I watch Wipeout all the time, and that does not mean what you mean. So,
2: I mean. <laughs> oh, so, he owns these big rubber red balls in his backyard? Is that what you're saying? Hey,
0: it's Utah. I, I don't judge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's a good call there. Uh, but the guy did have a draw. I don't think it was a bluff. I think it was a semi. He had a pair, so he had a made hand, and he had a bunch of draws, really, straight and flush. So, uh Tough call, but it was a good one. So he's lucky he uh, he faded that river. So good, good job.
0: All right, it's time for the AdvancedPokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations a podcast at magazine.com. If you want something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And our longtime friend Michael Paul is uh, the Hand of the Week this week. Chris and next week he sent us two in one email. So cool. We will uh, have fun for two weeks talking about uh, how much
2: he loves crappy beer. No, if, he doesn't. if I don't die from whatever I contracted on this trip home.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, he's playing 2-3 no limit hold at a local card room. Uh, he says the max drop is $7 per hand. He says the game is weird. Sometimes a $13 preflop raise will take the pot down. And other times a $30 preflop raise will get 30 callers. <sighs> Played with most of the people before, but I really don't have any history with any of them. Buy-in is 100 to 400. Uh, wow, kind of surprising. that buy-in is 100. Well, it's two or three, I two guess. Three. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that extra dollar, that small blind, usually makes the game play a little bit bigger. So, but, um, all right. He says we played about an hour, and after a bit, uh, uh about an hour and a bit after buying it for 300 bucks, uh, we've been super passive and haven't really played many pots yet. Uh, we're sitting with about 250 ish. Or as we used to like to say on Annie Up, squiggly two fifty. Yeah. And the eventual hand, uh, eventual villain, has us covered with about five hundred. Uh, we're on the button. Three limpers call, and we have the ace of
2: hearts, ten of hearts, the casenza. Yes. Okay. So how many limpers?
0: Uh, three.
2: I think I just limp. I, I don't. I don't know if this is a strong enough hand to, you know, it's one thing if you're playing. You know, in uh, a little tournament at Gambit's house, and your folds around to you, and there's passive guys to your left, and you want to go crazy with it. But it's another to have a bunch of real interested in this hand, and it's a bigger game. And I don't know. I think uh, I think I might just call here.
0: Yeah, I think this is a, this is again about the the push pull thing that I always like to talk about. At this point, with well, there's so many limpers in here, I actually this is a pull kind of pot now. I'm I'm hoping for my straighter flush here. Not I'm not playing for a ten or an ace. Right. Right. So at that point, so I, I think I'm going to try to pull some folks in by just calling here. If it was different, if there's like maybe one limper, then then I, I would feel uh, the strategy is probably better to raise and, and take control of the hand. But uh, but I'm going to try to get in here for three bucks and flop big and uh, stack someone that was is in my plan. So
2: yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: All right, uh, Michael has a different plan. He raises to sixteen dollars. Uh, the blinds fold and two of the limpers call. Uh, says the villain is in early position. Uh, Pot has $55 at the drop, is pulled, and we're three-handed to the flop, and we have 236 remaining. The flop comes, the ace of clubs, eight of spades, nine of spades, and it checks to us.
2: Well, I mean, we, we narrow the field, so it's hard to imagine a better ace is out there unless somebody is coming along with a suited ace-eight or ace-nine. So I think this is a good flop for us. It's not, there's no hearts, so that kind of sucks. Uh, we have backdoor straight draws. Uh, what kind of straight would it be, though? That would suck. Um, so, I think we got a bet. 55 in the pot. It's kind of a wet board. I mean, 8 9 is there. Two spades are there. So, I think we got a bet to protect. I mean, I, I'm even close to betting pot here. You know, like yeah. 40, 45, 50 or so.
0: Yeah, the, the the hand changed when we decided to raise. So, um, now that we raised, we tried to take control. We did drive out uh, most of the players. And now we got an ace on the flop. I mean, there's really no reason not to bet here and uh yeah, I think because of how how dangerous it could be, I'm, I'm betting on the higher side. So yeah. Would not be opposed to like you said a pot size 55 or 50 or yeah, 45 somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, okay, our hero bets 40. So probably a little less than I would, but still a substantial bet. Um the villain calls, and then uh, the other player folds. So we're heads up now, 135 in the pot, 196 behind. And the turn is the tray of diamonds. So the board now is ace of clubs, eight of spades, nine of spades, tray of diamonds, and our opponent checks to us.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a good street to bet. Nothing's changed as far as the board being wet. Uh, since it was merely a call, he could have something like jack 10. Um, You know, he could have something, and he's walking the dog. But I doubt it, because... Most times when people bet the flop, you know, after after raising pre-flop, they tend to slow down on the, on the turn if they if they miss. So if this guy had a hand, like a set or something, I think he'd want value. For He wouldn't want to check and let us get away with another check behind. So I think he'd want to bet here. So I feel like we might still be ahead. Um, and I feel like since the board is still the same wet board that it was, the three didn't hurt anything, so I still want to protect against it. So I don't know. I'd bet half the pot, whatever that would be. how much is in the pot again? Uh, one thirty-five. Yeah, like sixty-five, seventy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know why I'm letting myself be lulled into this. This is a draw. He's on a draw, but it certainly seems like it, right? The way he's playing it, he yeah. limps. I uh, check call, checks again. Um, so you know, I want to, I want to make him pay to catch up to me. So yeah, easily, at least easily half the pot here. So I'm thinking seventy-five ish. Okay. Uh, all right, our who bet seventy. Uh, he says, just about half the pot. He says, I, I don't like to play large pots with just a pair, so I was trying to keep the pot manageable. Plus, I only had a 10-kicker and figured somebody out of position could play ace-jack or ace-queen this way, though I would have expected them to lead out or re-raise the flop. Uh, the ever-popular slow play is set or 2 pairs is always an option. Uh, maybe I could or should have bet a little more. Uh, the pot has 274 now, and we are 126 left. Uh, I don't... I mean, I guess you could bet more. I mean, if our object is that we believe the villain's on a draw, I mean, the more we bet, the bigger the mistake he makes in calling, right? So, but um but yeah, I mean, you always have those other hands out there that could beat this and
2: you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't like a shove here. I know some people might be screaming at that you know shove, shove because you want to protect your hand. There's enough money in the pot to put your rest of it in, but. I feel like a, a decent bet will get you the same information. Maybe not. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, if you shove, you're you're betting way more in the pot. I mean, it's, it was one thirty-five. You had one ninety-six. So you know, that that seems too too much for me with a single pair. So yeah. I, I think we're all right right now. I guess we'll see what happens. But all right, the river is an offsuit sevens. Oh, so
2: they just know? called, right? The guy just called.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it didn't say. I'm gonna guess. Yep. Okay. Let's just assume that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, making sure he didn't say that. Yep. Well, obviously he didn't raise, or we would have already had more discussion here. So, right. all right. So, rivers the offsuit seven. So, final board is ace of club, eight of spades, nine of spades, tray of diamonds, random seven. And now our opponent bets, and he says it's enough to
2: put me all in. Yeah, this is the this is the tough one because we talked about jack ten. Yeah, right. You know, and would you, how would you play Jack-10 from the beginning here? Would you limp with it? Yeah. Would you call a minor raise with other limpers? Yeah. So then when the flop comes, would you check call something for 40 with Jack-10? So, yeah. And then when the turn comes, we bet 70. Yeah, you might still call there. It's it's a That's why I was saying that. People might be saying shove there because you know the guy's drawing. You don't want to give him a chance to draw for 70. So I know it's overbetting the pot, but when people shove, they always overbet the pot. So... Uh this is tough. This is tough. I I don't know. I don't like to go broke with one pair, you know, and a horrible kicker on yeah. a really wet board. So I probably fold.
0: Uh the only way I see his winning here is if he was on a flush draw. Yeah. Cuz a flush draw here would do this too, right? Yeah. Cuz there's no chance to win other than putting us all in and hoping that spook us, right? So any other holding that he would make this move with has his beat i think yeah. you know he's got a better ace he's got two pair he's got a set uh he's got the jack 10 so we really have to be fairly confident that uh, he's he's you know bluffing on a on a busted flush draw here and i don't think i can be that confident uh, um so i mean i guess it's 126 to win 400 so, I mean, I guess maybe the math requires us to call here, but uh, I really feel like we're dead.
2: Yeah, it's a tough call to make, uh, especially because, I mean, two pair could be out there, two pair could have gotten there. Who knows? You know, I mean, could have been A7, then he hit A7, you know, suited A7. He hit it, and he's just kind of, like, thinking that we're missing in betting, and he's just calling along. Now that he's hit two pair, he shoved, you know, he's up. Um, but... The other thing though is if he has the straight, why shove? Why not value bet? So that's the one thing that would make me sit there and then make a hero call is why. And again, it's like oh, he's over betting. Well, he's not really over betting. You know, it's it's not unreasonable to bet whatever he has to put us to a test to make it make us think that way. But it seems like it could be a bluff. Um,
0: yeah, and I wonder what his actual bet was. I mean, it said that he bet, and it's enough to put us all in. So right. I mean. Did he bet one hundred and twenty-six dollars exactly, or did he say I'm all in? Because right. If you say all in, that that's more of a bluff tell, I think,
2: than putting out one fifty.
0: Exactly, or or calculating the exact amount that you need to put them in, or if you say, hey, I'll put you all in. What are those stupid phrases, right? I yeah. mean, that's that's more bluffable than uh than being more specific. So
2: that that might have helped my decision as well too. If he said, I'll tap you, Teddy. I'm folding. <laughs> 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 well, other than that, I think uh, – no, I, I, I'm I going to go with my initial gut and fold, but it feels like it could be a bluff. But I, I, I'm going to go with my initial gut reaction here and fold.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a tough way to go broke if we call and we're, and we're behind uh, – or not behind, dead, obviously, because it's a little river. Um, but, yeah, that 4-1 has got me thinking, and, and, again, I wish I had a little bit more information on, on how he bet that river – um maybe i i could be persuaded to think that he's just trying to win steal his pot so there's just so many hands that have his beat here though so many hands right uh all right here it says no flushes got there but the jack 10 uh gets there as well as any gut shots i figure 10 6 isn't likely and even 5 6 isn't uh likely unless it was of spades i was still considering maybe he was slow playing a set or a flop two pair I could see maybe Ace Jack or Ace Queen, even Ace King playing passive this way, out of position. But I just don't know him well enough to know if he'd be doing this or not. Since I had to call my remaining one twenty-six to win the four hundred dollar pot, I figured it's the right price, and I call. He hmm. turns over Ace Seven off suit and scoops the pot. Holy shit! Holy yeah. shit! Wow! Yeah! Wow! That's a, a little lucky river card there, right?
2: Wow! Yeah, that's what we—that's one of the things I said right away, but I didn't really believe it. Wow! That's tough. That's tough to take because you had him the whole way, and he's just calling with a horrible pair of aces. Not that our aces are great, but it's at least a Broadway pair. You know what I mean? It's a Broadway hand, but and wow. Suited. Yeah, and suited. Wow, that's terrible. This is why, you know, the shove on the turn, I know it seems like it's big, but, you know, it's not just the draws that you're trying to get out. You're trying to get these hands, that back door, into two pair that beat you. You know, you lay the hammer down on the turn, but uh that blows no, but
0: again i would rather have this guy in this hand all the way you know with a7 i'm like you yeah. know and i think we made the right bet sizes everywhere i mean yeah in hindsight we maybe we bet more maybe he he goes away but i don't know i think we bet pro- uh bet properly throughout it so here it says the obvious question is what could or should i have done differently i know the obvious answer is a bigger bet on the turn i realize that i still ended up putting all my money in the pot but if i bet bigger on the turn i'm effectively committing myself so if he calls it's going in it's all going in anyway. Uh, if you called 70 on the turn, how much more is a realistic bet with my remaining stack, knowing the pot at the time uh, before I bet the 70 was only $135? Should I have just shoved? Uh, I know we aren't supposed to be afraid of the monsters under the bed. We also aren't supposed to go broke with one pair in our hand, and it seems like we were effed either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know being results-oriented, a bigger bet on the turn probably would have taken it down, but is it really the right play? Did I just get unlucky? Uh, I looked up the odds on the flop, and I'm 79.5%. <clears throat> so, again, I mean, that that's that's why uh, – and then he says on the turn, I'm 93% to win. Um, uh, so, again, I'm like, you know, uh, he, he made the wrong decisions all the way to the end and just got lucky. So, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up over that, I don't think.
2: No, I mean, you know, some of the wisdom that was passed down to us in the beginning years of our show and stuff like that, people would say – if someone is drawing or has a lesser hand, you know. I mean, if if you if you felt like someone was drawing, they should never see the river. Now I, I don't know what that means, but it means that you need to bet enough that they can't draw or that at least it's going to be a mistake to draw. Now in this case, the guy had a seven; he wasn't drawing, but the fear that we had was that he was drawing. Now, I the, mean, he
0: was essentially drawing against us. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, but a draw. We think of a draw. Straight, but I mean,
2: right. he, he, he needed that seven to win, so
0: um so it's essentially the same thing yeah uh, now i don't know i mean I, i'm not quick quick enough at math here to figure out whether he, he really made a bad call there or not but you know half size bet pop bet i mean and there's no guarantee here this guy goes away if we bet more i mean maybe if we shove he does but you know it's not that much more money um i mean this guy obviously felt Way more confident with his hand than I would have felt confident with his hand, or you would have, or our hero here would have come. Right? So, yeah. who's to say that he's going to go away with that? So,
2: yeah, that's a brutal river right there. Three outer.
0: And I would say that's one of the things that I, I try to do is not not try to think about the path that it did not go down because you don't know. You know, in this in particular case, we don't know what he would have done had we shot. So. Yeah. I mean, he might have still called, and you still would have lost. So it doesn't change anything, right? So, I mean, any time spent worrying about it is is wasted, I think. So,
2: Well, hopefully your fortunes turn around with next week's Hand of the Week, Mike. We appreciate you sending it in.
1: I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Antioff is a production of AntioffMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com. or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.